You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Ah, hey, Rifters. Welcome to the show. Uh, it's just me today. Alan Lee is sick and Victor is still uh, out with his family. But I have a great guest. And she's here via Zoom, like everyone else the past two years. <laughs> the great Suba Agawal. How are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, so before we start talking about your special and your career, I just wanted mm-hmm. to ask you, this pandemic doing Zoom interviews, is it irritating you? Um, I mean, I hate parking and driving. (laughs) So it is kind of nice to like, oh, okay. Although it is embarrassing when you still show up late to your living room. Uh, So I guess that's a drawback. But no, actually, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I I like going in person because I feel you could feel energy better. Mm, That's true. You know, but I, I feel Zoom now everyone like has no excuse to say no. So when they say no, it's like, I'm like, huh, you don't want to do the podcast, huh? Yeah, there's no excuse. There's no excuse. <laughs> like even Brad Pitt could do Zoom, you know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. So okay. uh, uh, happy Christopher Columbus Day, by the way. Thanks for tuning Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, no worries. I totally, I forgot that was uh, even a holiday that was happening. I think that's one of the stupidest holidays. I know. I think... <laughs> I think LA changed it to Indigenous Peoples Day, or they have both names for it. I, I'm not sure exactly what. Yeah. There was something. There was yeah. something where people are like, yeah, this is dumb. <laughs> this dude really sucks. <laughs> well, it's not only that, but I just feel like it's one of those holidays just to have a holiday, and it's not a mm-hmm. real holiday. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, is it a federal ho- Do people even have off of work? I think some people do, but... I don't I don't consider it a real holiday, but I do do the courtesy of watching Home Alone every year. Because <laughs> that guy's name was Chris Columbus, who directed it. Anyways, I was wondering where the connection was there. I was like, wait, is there something to do with Christopher Columbus and Home Alone? I'm like, yeah. wait, that's so, funny. Yeah, I know. It's it's a very sophisticated joke. <laughs> Speaking of sophisticated jokes, your humor is very sophisticated and you just oh, released you. your special. Or is it a special or is it an album? Uh, it's an album. We just did the audio and then I'm like dropping some clips from the album. But yeah. yeah. And it's called a dog show. Mm-hmm. So uh, the folks could probably find it on the iTunes and the Spotify and all that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think pretty much anywhere you get albums, it's available. Um, and if you go to my website or any of my social media, um, which is s-comedy.com, it has a link to the album and everything you need. So super easy to find. And this was your your first uh, mm-hmm. album? So yeah. like, because uh, when I did my first album, I I uh, I think I just did it to do it, and I wasn't very proud of it. You know oh, I mean? yeah? And I became proud of my second album, which I turned into a special. So I wanted to know, like, your thoughts. Like, how was your mindset while you recorded this? Um, I mean, I am proud of this first one. I think it's... Um... 
it's kind of like unique and cool because like it, it's the story of me telling my mom I'm not a virgin like that's the structure like that whole journey is the structure of um the album and the way I structure all of my jokes and like weave in and out of different topics um so it's cool it's also something I I wouldn't be replicating with my second album which I'm still like figuring out and shaping so it'll it's but it it's like unique you know what I mean like it's gonna yeah. be so different from everything else I put out going forward so I, I don't know if I'm gonna like it more or less than the other things I do but I um I waited so long to put out uh an album and so I was like pretty ready to put one out by the time I I went around to recording it so it wasn't like I'm I'm very surprised that this is your first one because you're you're young looking, but you've been doing, <laughs> you've been doing comedy just as long as I have because I remember mm -hmm. I used to see you at the open mics. So I'm very like, wh when did you wake up and say, okay, this is it? I'm going to do the album. Um, well, I kept being like a hair away from being super successful um where it was like oh wow i was like it was between me and another person for the lead in this hbo series or i always like literally a hair away from selling this show i hadn't developed like i kept being just like like a centimeter away from like okay if i just pause and hold on to this like somebody will give me a special um and then like it just kept not happening for me yeah. <laughs> so i was like well um i'm gonna age out of these jokes like i can't keep talking about like being worried about my mom when i'm like entering my 30s you know what i mean like so it was just kind of one of those things where i was like I, psychologically i can't wait for that moment to happen i don't know if it's ever gonna happen and um i was aging out of my material so i was like and I was developing so many jokes that I was honestly forgetting stuff that I loved. So I'm like, I need to put this down, get it out, and so I can move on, you know? Yeah. Well, I I agree, but I also disagree to the point. I don't I don't feel anyone could age out of jokes jokes because I feel like that's your life, that's your humor. So. Yeah, I mean, but it's also like my perspective changes, you know, right. as I get older. So it just didn't feel as authentic to me anymore. Yeah. and who i was so that's what i meant by like yeah so i i just didn't want to be doing that material anymore even like having it i mean some of the jokes i still love that are on there but i wanted to like just put it out and be done with it yeah well you picked a good time to release it because i released my special uh one month during the pandemic wow and it, yeah and my manager's like oh it'll be great because no one's going to show so it's going to be a huge hit i was like all right let's because I wanted to wait till after the pandemic. Oh, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a catch 2022 because uh, my special bombed really bad. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But uh, but I think it's the best thing I've ever done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, so like now people are starting to connect it about the shows and stuff. And I was like, oh, so I. I feel I should I should have released it after the pandemic, but I didn't know the pandemic would take mm. three years. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard to know what's gonna work and what's not. You yeah. know what I mean? You never know because like doing it during the pandemic, people are at home streaming things. But after the pandemic, you can like go out and promote it more. Like there's a different promotional structure. So yeah, I mean it was hard. It was a gamble, but you never know. You never know how it would have turned out if you had yeah. done something different. Yeah, my manager was like, I don't know why it's bombing. And I was just like, oh, I think my whole fan base died of COVID or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, your whole fan base likes going to Smash Mouth concerts uh, maskless. <laughs> they all. 
but uh but <laughs> you also have a very interesting career because you you did stand up very young and you know you you bought fake ids and then you became uh which i did too by the way i think that's a thing that Oh, yeah. yeah i think that's a thing all young comedians do like who really want to do comedy Yeah. and uh I always think that's so worse because whenever I, when I see a young comic nowadays do comedy, I'm just thinking, dude, you're, you're making a terrible mistake. I Like, know. Same. like, wait five years. You know what I mean? Because, Oh, I meant just don't do it. I meant oh, go yeah, to yeah, bed. yeah. <laughs> I, I meant that too, but it's hard to judge a young comic because I don't know if you remember, but when I started when I was 15, I was terrible. I felt I didn't get good till 23. Yeah, it took me a long time. But there are some people who were um, really good young out of the gate. I mean, there are exceptions to that. You know what I mean? So it, it's hard to know. And like sometimes Hollywood has this youth fetish. So this doesn't happen for all young performers. But sometimes they'll look at like a young kid and be like, oh, okay, this is the future or whatever. Or we're not getting ratings. We better get this young youngin in here. to like tell us how to be cool to the kids. Like there are advantages to like starting young. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I got anything like super explicit because of my youth, because uh, I was so terrible, but it did also by the time like my personality and brain caught up to where I was, I had like, I was already a super strong joke writer. Cause even though I didn't have anything to say, I had been writing jokes that whole time. So, I don't know. It's pluses and minuses, but I do think it is just as a human being, it's a bad thing to do when you're that young. Definitely. Definitely. I'm like, oh yeah, you should be a kid doing kid shit. You shouldn't be around all these horrible, broken people. Like this is not. Mm -mm. <laughs> the worst is like, uh, I don't know about your experience, but when you do bar shows, the bartender won't let you go up until it's your set. And then after you perform, he's like, get out of here. You know, Mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, and like putting X's on your hands and making you wait outside, even if it's like freezing cold. Yep. Yeah. And then Was you have not an fun. X, and you're like, I'm an X man. I got an X. <laughs> but, uh, but then you got a job as a writer for Mm -hmm. a comedy uh, knockout, and then the Jim Jeffrey show. And those are two different types of shows. So I wanted to know, like, how did your, your writing style change from that? Um, I mean, at the end of the day, they're both pretty joke heavy. You know what I mean? So like comedy knockout, it's just like straight jokes. And then um, the Jim Jeffries show was uh, more political. So you were telling more of a story. So you would like structure in and like kind of like outline where you wanted to go in the piece and then just fill in the jokes after that. So it, it wasn't too much of a leap, if that makes sense, because it was still like and I had the skill set of being able to outline and structure things just from like going to school. So Yeah. like combining those two together, it wasn't it wasn't super hard. Do you do you find writing because uh, when I when I wrote on the norm show I found I I didn't I didn't enjoy it because I, I felt I was competing with jokes with all these other writers. And I had a different relationship with Norm because, like, I was, you know, the number one, but I wasn't the head writer. So I was like, yeah, I don't really want to do this. Mm, yeah, I mean, that is like a very hard thing in the writer's room because, and a lot of times you have to pitch your own jokes. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And you so, have to fight for them, too. yeah. And you're like, what the f <laughs> that was something I, that was the hardest part for me was learning how to do that. Because when I was at Comedy Knockout, you just put your 
jokes in a Google Doc and then people would pick the strongest jokes. So right. like I didn't have to pitch. And then when I was at the Jim Jeffrey show, I had to start pitching my own jokes, but I felt stupid telling other comics my jokes. So like <laughs> exactly. I, was, I was having trouble, but then I was like, if I want to get this in here, I genuinely, I have to deliver the joke. Like I would want him to deliver the joke. I have to say it with full confidence. I have to believe in it. I have to get in there. I have to tag shit up. Like if I want my stuff to be out there if I want to be seen as a good writer. So I just kind of was like, okay, just pretend like you have confidence in yourself or whatever and do it. And then it just became like um, something I was doing, but it was, yeah, no, it's never good. Especially if something bombs, it's so embarrassing, but um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not, it was not my favorite part of the job. <laughs> did, did you ever like uh, submit bad jokes just to piss off like the head writer and like leave me alone or whatever? Yeah. No, no, I did. I mean, every now and then I'd write something that was just for me. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> You're like, okay, like here's like a bunch of good jokes. And then there's one that I think is silly that, or like, it's like an anti-joke or whatever, or I'm being ironic or stupid. Um, <laughs> and sometimes I delete those out after I wrote them, <laughs> but but I, yeah. but I think like uh, when you write like because sometimes I find bad jokes to be hilarious because mm -hmm. I'm really good at writing for other comics. So like I know their voice and stuff. Mm -hmm. So if the writers don't get it, I know that the person doing the, mm -hmm. the joke will get it. Right. Yeah. yeah, no, I feel that. And honestly, sometimes when I've written the jokes for me, people have picked them and I was like, you pay. I was kidding. Like, <laughs> I was yeah. like, I didn't mean for that to actually be the joke. But OK. Yeah. Um yeah so it's interesting that is interesting yeah because you do have to write to the person's voice and like you get a feel with them the longer yeah. you write I, from i submitted a packet for uh lights out with david spade mm -hmm. and i uh, they picked a other guy over me mm -hmm. and i i in my like i've always been very bitter if people get work not me you know so i was like always like shit talking this guy for like four years or whatever and then like <laughs> you you look at it now and you're thinking maybe in the long run, that was probably a better call. You know what I mean? Because he could write for Spade better. Mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's with anything. Uh, you never know why um, people got the job over you or what they were looking for. Um, and it's not that, like, you're not talented. It's just somebody might be a better fit. Yeah. Or, like, the person deciding could be dumb. You don't know. <laughs> like, or, as my mom says, you're not talented. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I also wanted to ask you, like, because uh, you, you're starting to scramble into acting now. Like, mm -hmm. you, you did a, an episode of uh, General Hospital, which, mm -hmm. you know, my grandmother loves that show. My mom loves it. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, I can't watch it because, uh, you know, I don't feel like going back 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, knowing the stories and stuff. And then you did the best show ever, uh, Westworld. Mm -hmm. So like how, like, cause those are two different type of shows. And so as an actress, how do you get into the involved in that? Like, how did you switch that up? I mean, they're both pretty, I mean, my roles were pretty small in both of those. And it was both like just straight, dramatic, simple acting. I had a simple to do, you know, it wasn't anything um, crazy. I think there's a bigger difference between um, drama and comedy than there is yeah. between the two. Um, like dramatic rules I had in those. Uh, I had a, it hasn't come out yet, but there's a movie called Plan B and I had like a big comedic role in that. And that was difficult trying to, because like I had studied improv and I'm a stand-up comic 
but then like my acting school is Meisner. And so it was kind of like interesting for the, like the first time in my brain having to blend improv with Meisner and like, when you're doing a play, you stick to the goddamn lines, but not when you're doing a comedy. And then like, how much do I improv without pissing off the director? Like, it was just, um, that was way harder. That was interesting. <laughs> but also, do you think like that, that's also a skill you have for being a comic where, <laughs> you know, it could make you a better actor? You know what I mean? Um, I mean, yes and no. I just feel like they're so different. Um... I mean, being a comic makes me better at doing plays because I'm like used to a live audience. Right. Um, like I, I, some of my like I've seen some of my actors being like, oh, shit, I haven't been in front of a live audience. And so they get thrown, but I'm like accustomed to that. Like it doesn't distract me as much. Um, and then, yeah, of course, being a comic, it helps you like have a sense of humor and like think of jokes, especially when you're like improving things. But and like being more confident, taking swings. But yeah, I mean, the skill sets are so different. Yeah. <laughs> They're very, very different. Is that what you want to like? Is that what you're going into? Is trying to be the the actress, or would you always still do comedy even when you make it big as an actress? Um, I mean, I would. Not, I don't think I would ever stop doing stand up, uh, especially because I feel like everybody eventually goes back, and then it's always embarrassing when you've been gone for twenty years, and then you put out a special, and everyone's like, "All right, they're back," and then it just eats ass because it's fucking terrible of course yeah. it is you took two decades off so i think i have that paranoia in my brain where it's like i never want to stop just in case you know yeah. what i mean are you talking just, about jeremy piven there's so many people i could be talking about <laughs> i did he have a special no no but yeah you know, <laughs> he, he did stand up for like you know one week then he became an actor and now he's back doing stand up you know, I, know. <laughs> I like jeremy but i i i have a I feel actors can't do comedy where I feel comedy comedians could do acting. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I think it can go both ways, but it's more of like, if you're a successful actor, why would you do comedy? Right. You know what I mean? Cause this is such a shit lifestyle and like acting is so, if you're like hot and like booking, it's such a glamorous thing to do. I mean, filming can be like grueling and it's a lot of hard work, but like, man, is it so much more rewarding and do people respect you more for some fucking reason? Yeah. You know, I looked at your website, and I don't know if I should say this, and if you want me, if you want me to edit it out, I will. But your your agent is Brian Regan. That's the funniest comedian in the whole world. <laughs> oh, that's my um college booking agent. Yeah, that is. I actually don't even real. I didn't even realize he did have. I didn't the that famous comic's name. That's very funny. <laughs> I was like, I think I should call that guy and say, hey. <laughs> Yeah, Brian Regan is awesome, and he can do clean comedy authentically. So it's like there's so much money in that. So oh yeah, cool. you know the two best comics I've ever seen live, and you're probably gonna judge me for saying this, <laughs> but comedy wise, mm -hmm. Bill Cosby, best comedian mm -hmm. I've ever seen live, right? Person wise, not so much. <laughs> and then Brian Regan, mm. yeah, and Sinbad's a close third. But, yeah, Sinbad doesn't get enough credit um, yeah. for being as amazing as he is. Like, yeah, no, he fucking destroys a room. Yeah, and uh, I always wanted to get to that level of just, you know, because, like, Cosby did three and a half hours. That's know? wild, though. It's I don't so want to 
I don't know. I would never want to do I would never want to do that, let alone make other people sit through that. I mean, I get that it's like so he like being a master at that level, it's like engaging the whole time, but I'm just like, oh god, people have to do laundry like three hours. <laughs> Uh, I enjoyed it because I because I, like when I go to comedy shows and I'm not performing I go because I either really like the humor you know because like I'd rather obviously be performing so I don't want to Yeah. go you know what I mean so for me to go there has to be something drawn to that you know so I always think that's a treat and then you know you find out a week later it gets arrested for rape and you're like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um and then you're also doing screenwriting and stuff and How how is that like uh, going for you? Because I find screenwriting very fun and challenging. I, um, I don't know. I feel like when I start a script, I'm always like, what the fuck am I doing? Uh, regardless, unless it, I'm talking about like a feature. I mean, it's much easier to write like a 30 minute comedy or something. But, um, when I'm like writing features and stuff, I, it's just so overwhelming and there's so much rewriting and I am an impatient person, especially because like, I don't, um, at least the way I was taught. to write a lot of the times is like you just kind of let the characters dictate the story so a lot of the times i'll just write out what i think the first act is or like what they're going through and then i'll go back and be like no this needs to go this needs to go and then like half of what i've written is thrown in the trash so it's because i i love doing it and i love creating the world but i feel like when i first start i'm always so frustrated and i'm like what is that it drives me insane but i'm like just sit down and get through it And then like halfway through towards the end or like when I'm, I'm so proud and I love it so much, but I think that's one of the most frustrating processes, I would say. Mm I, I, I could see that, but I like that frustration because I hmm think that that makes, you know, that gives you, you know, in the long run, you know what I mean? Like how No, I know. That's, the, that's why I keep doing it, but I don't like it. Like, I, I want to put it in the microwave and have it be done. I don't want to <laughs> sit over a stove all day. I want the hot pocket of scripts, but that's not what makes a good script, you know? So it's, uh, it's a lot of hard work. Speaking of hot pocket of scripts, how many scripts <laughs> do you have in the microwave? um, I mean, have I written? I don't even know. I couldn't even count. Um, I mean, I'm currently writing another feature. Uh, right now and then I think there's like five or something that I'm actively semi-pitching or like have out in rotation but there's more than there's just there's a lot <laughs> Yeah. there's a lot of scripts mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I've officially finished three. Uh, one of them was actually supposed to get into development, but then all the stars died, so that died. damn Yeah. And then uh, the second one I wrote with someone else, so I don't really count that as something I wrote. I count it as That like still a, counts. yeah, but I, I don't, you know, whatever. And and uh, I actually got paid for that one. And then the second we sold it, we both got fired. So we were like, oh, great. This is fun. At least we have a paycheck. That <laughs> sucks. And then the the other one, you know, I tried pitching it. No one, no one, no one uh, took it. But I'm writing my fourth one right now, and it's it's the darkest one because all the other ones were comedy, and I find it very challenging because I'm not used to writing dark. You know what I mean? So that's just you know how like I I like to I feel like that's going to make me stronger in the long run because then I could say oh I have four comedies, two dramas. one porno, Yeah. you know what I mean? Stuff like <laughs> that. right the writer from west wing used to i think it was west wing 
Um, but he used to write comedies, and then I think he got frustrated because nobody respects comedy, so he switched yeah. to drama, and he was like, it's way easier. It's way easier than comedy. That's what that writer was saying, um, which I could I could see, but I find it hard not to interject yeah. a sense of humor into what I'm writing. You know what I mean? So would you say, like, when you write characters, that's probably your biggest, like, you're trying to really glue them on? Or, like, what do you – because you seem like someone who's really good at uh, dialogue and setting. You know what I mean? Um, well, I think the reason I gravitate towards characters is because of working as an actor. Yes. So then um, when you're doing that, you have to like embody another person and like fill in every detail you need to like fully be that person. And like that changed and fixed my writing so much because now when I'm creating a character, I know how much I have to put into it to make it like able to stand on its own legs. Um, so that helps me quite a bit um when i'm writing so that's why i think a lot of my stuff tends to be um character focused and like letting them guide the story and i think that's better than me beating it out because it it leads me to places that i didn't plan and was unexpected and like surprises me and i'm always trying to create the most like surprising for lack of a better word script um so it, it's a more frustrating process than just like beating everything out. But I think I like the way it turns out better. Yeah. So like how I write is like, I, I write with the, the actors who I want to play, even though they're like old and dead. <laughs> I think that it helps get it on the page faster. Yeah. You know? So then I, I'd be like, all right, let's, uh, let's pitch this to, uh, you know, John Candy's peeps. <laughs> Anyways, so then um, you you also do a roast battling. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you did in New York at the stand, mm -hmm. right? Are you in New York now or Los Angeles? No, I'm in LA. <laughs> oh, do you do it at the comedy store too? No, I actually haven't done it out here. Oh. I I did do a lot of roast battling, but it was never my favorite because it's so much work. It's yeah. like so much work. You can never use those jokes again. And, uh, I mean, I don't like losing and there's always a chance you could lose. So I'm like, okay, these are a lot of like, eh. so I kind of, um, bowed out of it, but yeah, it was fun. Yeah. I, I've never really, uh, I think it's a good skill to have cause you know, you want to know how to shut down hecklers and, you know, <laughs> bachelor parties and stuff like that. But I don't like being mean to other people. Yeah. Regardless in a form of funniness or not, because like I have autism, so like whenever I do roast battle, they always talk about me having autism. And it's like mm. I think that's kind of cheap. I'm sure people talk about you being Indian all the time. Yeah, that always irritated me because a lot of times it would just be like really cheap, hacky, racist jokes, and the crowd would lose their mind because yeah. like people aren't allowed to say that anymore. But I'm like, there's nothing clever there, so it, it did irritate me a little bit because I was like, okay, but it's not a good joke, you know. Yeah. If it's a good joke, I could appreciate it. Yeah, it was just but, felt lazy, and there was a high reward for that type of lazy humor. And I was like, you know, and it wasn't even like accurate to me. I was like, roast me, but um, whatever. <laughs> but uh, we, you know, speaking about being Indian, like when you started, I would say the most famous Indian comic was probably Russell Peters. Yeah, without so, like, a doubt. That's like a big shadow to fulfill. You know what I mean? So like, how how are you doing that? Because now you're your own name, you know? Um, I mean, we're doing two completely different things. Because, like, Russell Peters plays more to the international demographic because he talks a lot about, like, 
Indians within the context of the world and like different cultures. Like his act is very international, which is why he's so successful because like people around the world love him. Um, and I feel like my act is much more uh, American for lack of a better word. Like I talk about my upbringing, my culture and my family, but it's um, it's more personal to me. And yeah. my point of, you know what I mean? Um, it's like more my story, whereas like Russell is talking about cultures in general. So he found this international success and like people just fucking love him, you know? Because uh, they never got to see themselves represented or like their people, their story or whatever aspect of their story, or their culture shown in that way, you know, where it's like he's having fun with it, but um it's from a place of love and respect and like people trust him because he's of that culture. So it was just like such a unique thing and experience he gave to people. So it's really cool, but I think we're doing two completely different things, you know? Have you ever had the opportunity to open for him? No, unfortunately not. I don't think I've ever met him. I, Cause I think that would be a great show. <laughs> you know I mean, I mean, that would be very cool, but yeah, no, I've never met him. Uh, we should make that happen. I'll tweet him. <laughs> I'll say, hey, Russell, happy Columbus Day. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and then I saw you do a set on the Lily show, which mm -hmm. you killed it. Oh, thank and, you. And I thought that was the best one because I watched a couple others of her shows because I was like, oh, my God, this is kind of cool. Maybe I should do it. Then I find out it got canceled two years I ago. I know. Like, fuck. <laughs> but uh, how, how do you do a... Uh, like, how do you get my, your mindset to do, like, a set like that for, I mean, it's not really, it's not like Conan or, but it is late night, you know? Yeah, like, I'm, it was any like any other late night thing. And I think at that point, I just didn't care because what had happened uh, was another late night booker had told me I had a set on their show and they had spent a year. Um, I submitted, like, one late night set, another late night set, another late night set finally got their attention. And then over a year, they kept like breaking apart my set, making me do different things, making me book shows last minute that they'd come to. And we worked on this set for a year. Um, and there were like so many different five minute sets that I had gone through to try and get approved. They told me I had a date. They told me it was all confirmed. Um, and then they pushed my date and then they pushed my date and then they stopped responding to my emails, which was heartbreaking. And then uh, Lily Singh's people reached out to me randomly and was like, hey, can you do a late night set in L.A. the next day? And I was in New York and I was like, uh, sure, I'll fly over to do a late night set, you know, and um, because I had spent a year working on it and this was a year working with this one person, but I've been trying to get a late night set for years. So yeah. I had so many five minute tapes that I sent her team one and they were like, no, I sent her team a second one, the second one they approved. And so I think I had like two shows that night. So I like did a couple shows in New York, ran the set, flew over to LA, um, found a dress in my closet that fucking worked and like showed up to set. But I was so over it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at that point and i was so um grateful to be able to get any of what i had worked on out there and just like i was like i'm not and i didn't want to be like over it like oh i didn't care because i was so incredibly grateful to be able to have that work mean anything yeah. um and i think it was super cool to have it on lily singh's show you know because she was the first uh indian and like one of the only women of color in late night and i think like queer host so it was like super cool to get to make my debut on her show and um 
Yeah, I was just like excited, but I wasn't nervous because it it, it kind of lost its shine to me. The idea of late night after going through that heartbreak, which is like um, kind of a bummer. But it's also like the same thing happened to me in the cellar when I auditioned there. I had been trying for so long that when I finally got the audition, I wasn't nervous because I was so frustrated. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I've been trying for so long to get their attention. And then when I finally was able to get the recommendations that mattered uh, to audition, I was like exhausted. So I wasn't nervous. And I think the same thing happened with my late night set. It's like, yeah, I know these jokes. I've had to do this a million times, even though I've technically never done it. I was just right. so tired. I was like, just. It's like, you know, you yeah. can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, that's one of the things I. I mean, it still irritates me to this day when bookers don't respond mm -hmm. and when, you know, and then you're thinking, you know, I can understand like miss missing one letter or whatever. And then when I do a follow up, how can you miss 10 follow ups? Um, yeah. yep. <laughs> so you're like, holy Lord, you're like, I'm trying to jump out of quicksand here just to make, you know, people laugh. And I think that that was one of the smartest things you could do because, you know, you did it. And you flew to New York and you still, with all that preparation, you still got to do it. It probably mm -hmm. you know, been like, I don't know what shows, you know, gave you a date and then kept declining. But it was still like maybe giving you that same satisfaction. Hey, at least I did it. Okay. Yeah, no, that's what I mean when I was like so grateful that like to get that and like be able to use it because otherwise it was just like super depressing. Yeah. <laughs> so like being able to put that material somewhere, it's like, thank God, you know. Do you, do you find uh, doing the stand up easier uh, when you do it on the TV, or do you do you <laughs> do you prefer just doing it at clubs? Um, well, I mean they're like two different beasts because normally when you're doing a late night set, that audience is primed to laugh. Like they know they're being taped, they know they're supposed to laugh. So I mean, knock on wood, it's should right. be very difficult to bomb, especially because the jokes are polished, they've been approved, you know your set. So if you just breathe, go slow, do your jokes, it's all very rehearsed. Um, whereas like when you do it live, um, yeah, it's like a completely different animal. I'm always, almost always working on a joke. So there's always the chance it could go wrong. Um, there's so many different aspects. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're just two completely different things. Yeah, and, and see like it hurts for certain comics who like say they have the, an all dirty act they mm -hmm. could never do, you know, TV or stuff, but they're like the funniest people in the world. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, mean, I love Bobby Slayton, but I'll never see him. But do. there's like, because of like streaming and digital, there's so many other places for people like that to go now. Whereas well, I feel like, like 15, 20 years ago, it's devastating. But now there's like Comedy Central clips that they post on their YouTube and like Netflix. Um, they used to have the stand up. So it was like short 15 minute sets and like, uh, the LOL network, I know, um, puts sets out. So because of like streaming and like digital stuff, like there's so many places for people like that to go. I don't feel like there's that much pressure anymore to be like, well, you have to only talk about this and be super clean. And like, yeah, that's a good point, because then you could say, well, I, I could do what I want and I'll just go to the LOL network. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I wanted to talk to you about your podcast, the, the Family Gems. It seems mm -hmm. like everyone has a podcast now. <laughs> and uh, so, like, your podcast, you, you co-host it with another comedian, right? Mm -hmm. Are you Ari the... Tassi. Yeah. Are you the... Because I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I, I wanted to. 
<laughs> family gems are you the sidekick or are you the host i mean val and i co-host it so we're both the hosts uh right. and then we'll have on like a person and i uh, i kind of was like okay what do people latch on to about my comedy a lot and a lot of it was me talking about my family and family stories and i was like well if i'm gonna do a podcast then it should be about that um and so like i hit up valerie because it's always easier to riff with somebody um while another person is trying to tell their story as opposed to trying to work with the person trying to get out their story um i thought the dynamic was way better and valerie is really quick and funny so yeah we just started bringing people on often comedians but we're trying to get more non-comics on there to just tell like you know funny family memories uh because everybody has that and everybody can relate to that so i was like oh that's just like a fun light listen you know i mean some of the times the stories are dark and we're like jesus christ okay which are like also interesting but um yeah it's been fun not to brag or anything, but I think <laughs> you and I are doing pretty good. <laughs> uh, but uh, what's the, what's the like, you said there's dark stories from family. Like, what's like the darkest one where you're like, okay, I'm not going to air this one. Oh, I would never not air it. Absolutely <laughs> not. Um, I mean, there's a comedian named Alice Hamilton who's really great, but her upbringing was fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, just like like uh, her parents were an interracial couple where dad was black and her mother was uh, white and so and the mom was raising them while the dad was working and the mom was like this super right-wing uh conservative uber christian and then like not being taught what slavery was and like learning that um i think from tv or something i forget but like they didn't even like i think they she had a story and i hope i'm not betraying it about like either her or one of her uh siblings seeing slavery being mentioned on tv and going oh my god what country is that that's terrible like because they were homeschooled and so sheltered like that you know like fucked up shit um but yeah no there's nothing that i wouldn't air uh because like regardless of how dark your story is there's somebody out there who can relate to it or learn from it so but yeah that shit was pretty wild you know do you ever hear a story and you feel okay maybe this you're putting more mustard on it just for (laughs) because you're like you're thinking, okay, there's no, I don't know. But do you ever like get that feeling when you interview these people? Um, I mean, I don't think about, I'm like, if you want to lie on a podcast, I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> you know, it'd be a weird thing to do, but okay. Um, yeah. no, I haven't had anything where I'm like, that's unbelievable. You know? Oh my God. I, I could come up with a very unbelievable family story. For <laughs> like, uh, my mother, uh, she was uh, in the Helter Skelter gang, you know what I mean? And uh, you know, she, she, you know, she was not one of the crazy ones. So, like growing up, you know. Oh, see, that's how I know that's already a lie because there's only crazy ones in the Helter Skelter. Yeah. But like, so growing up, she would make me write letters to Charles Manson every day, asking him <laughs> uh, to do her podcast. Ah. <laughs> See, and there's an anachronism in there, podcasts were in the thing. See, that that's riddled with lies, of course. <laughs> uh, exactly. But I, I always find like, you know, when, when comics, especially comics in particular, when they lie about stuff like that, because they're, I don't think they're lying on purpose to hurt someone, but I think they're lying to make other people laugh. And I find that funny. Uh, I see what you mean by like maybe changing a detail or two, but it's like essentially true. I mean, that could be happening, but who knows? <laughs> uh, so what's what, what's one crazy family story you got? Um, well, I mean, probably <laughs> my whole album, but... <laughs> 
Um, dog uh, Story, which is on the dog show, which yes. is on the iTunes, Spotify. <laughs> you can buy it where again for the folks at home? Uh, just go to s-comedy.com. s-comedy.com. Mm -hmm. Whatever you do, do not call Brian Regan. It's not the comedian. <laughs> not the comedian. How funny would it be if Brian Regan just took a side gig to book college shows? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, we got a 45-minute uh, show for you in the lunchroom of WashU. You in? I'm like, okay, Brian, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, a quick uh, a family story that you got. Um, I mean, there's like the, my dad just being out of his mind and goofy. Um, like we moved into this neighborhood. We couldn't afford any of the houses outright, but my uncle had a construction company and my mom wanted to move there for the school district. So she had him help build a house on a plot of land that they bought. And the thing about this plot of land is there was no grass. And my dad was working really hard to grow grass on this lawn and these crows kept coming in and eating the seeds. And instead of getting like a scarecrow, he would like run out in his boxers and like try and scare away the crows by going caca, caca, by like being a crow himself. And so it was so humiliating because like people in the neighborhood could see him. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, there's just this weird old Indian man going caca, caca. And I'm like, oh my God, what is that? It was so embarrassing. <laughs> And when your friends ask you, they're like, who's that? And you're like, oh, that's a crow. <laughs> that's not my dad. That's a bird. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I got one about my mom being a helter skelter. Did I tell you? <laughs> Anyways, so where can the folks at home follow and support you? Um, I get, same website, uh, s-comedy.com. It has all my social media stuff on there. Or if you just search Suba, uh, S-U-B-H-A-H, -H, uh, I'll come up on pretty much most of the social medias. Now, Suba, we were talking before the show about saying names right. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to ask you, have have you ever had that where like people, maybe not on purpose, but they've always butchered your name? And you're like, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, technically, I'm not even saying my name correctly, but it's because it's like difficult for people to say with an American accent. So I kind of just changed it to what I want, but it's like Saba Agarwal, but like people have trouble saying that. So they often say Saba and I'm like, mm, that's worse. So like yeah. Suba is like better. Um, but yeah, no, uh, people fuck it up all the time. I mean, it's crazy what people will say. I think I had somebody bring me to the stage as Sarah Argyle. And I was like, that's not even, no, Simba <laughs> Argyle. I was like, that's not even close. <laughs> Oh my god! But I, yeah. I I do find uh, that like when when people fuck up your name and then like when because like I've been in the situations where I've you know not I've fucked up people's names before too. Same. I, <laughs> I find that after you get closer with them in a way, you know what I mean? You're like, hey, you... we all have fucked up names. How are <laughs> you? Can some people get really upset about it? But I'm like, I don't I don't care. Just try. It, like I, the only time I'm like annoyed is when somebody's obviously not trying. Like when they hear my name and I can watch their brain shut down. I'm like, at least try. <laughs> <laughs> and then my last question for you before I let you go, because I want to respect your time is what advice <laughs> would you give people to continue pursuing their dreams? Um, I would say look at the careers of people who look at somebody whose career you want to have and then look into everything they did to get there and then just try and prepare those skills. 
So like if I looked, if I had looked at a lot of successful comedians that I admire, I'd be like, oh, they acted and they wrote for other people. And maybe I would have put that together sooner in my career, as opposed to like learning that as I went. So I think just looking at people who you want to be and like what they did and what they did to get there and like preparing in that way. And um, also just like putting your own stuff out now is like super important. But yeah, I think that would be my main advice. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. I really do appreciate it. I, I hope you had fun. I know there's I a, did. I know there's a lot of podcasts out <laughs> there. And for you to do mine was really special to me. So Oh my God, that's so sweet. No, thank you for having me. This was very, very fun. All right. Well, uh, next time you're in LA, let let's uh let's get together and get a chicken. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> All right. Air five. All right. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith Reza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.